One and one on Jose. All eyes on the mound and the bearded Sam Dyson. Now he comes set. Kicks. The 1-1 one, one pitch. Fly ball deep left field. Yes, sir. There she goes. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bat Flip Nation. This is a Toronto Blue Jays podcast where four best friends gather around every week and talk about the Blue Jays. I'm Dan. I'm joined here today with Randy. Hello. Rob. Hello. And Ryan. Hey, guys. This is our our first podcast in two weeks, and it feels like a tale of two teams. The first week, the Blue Jays tore it up. They went two out of three against Cleveland and then swept Seattle. Then they face Atlanta, and everything kind of went to shit. So I'm curious how you guys are feeling about the state of the team right now. Last week, when we weren't able to get together to do the podcast, I was disappointed because I was finally excited to talk about the Blue Jays. You know, something good seemed to be happening. And now for me, like all the wind has kind of been taken out of my sails with this this uh, road trip here. So, Ryan, how are you feeling about the Blue Jays? You could not have put it any better. The wind is definitely out of the sails after, after this past week. It's making you think that the Seattle... Um, series was completely because of the fact that they were so banged up. Um, the Cleveland series was a lot of fun, and that's going to happen over a long season. You're, you're going to have those series, or you're going to have a big win. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a true measuring stick for how good the team is, and that's kind of what I'm feeling like right now. Like that was just one of those series that they played up for and played well, and it was at home. And then Seattle was more or less because Seattle was so banged up. And then Atlanta, all the struggles that we've seen started kind of resurfacing again. I mean, I do think a lot of it comes down to the part, the point that they're still really banged up, um, which unfortunately doesn't seem to be improving a whole hell of a lot. But it'll be like, I don't know if we'll ever see this team play as a complete unit altogether. If they do, then maybe there'll be some hope. Um, I mean, they certainly put that, that charge last week certainly put them in a better position. Although I guess they did throw it mostly away this week. But when they get a healthy team, maybe things will be different. But right now, it's hard to be too optimistic. Now, like you said, the series against Seattle was really just about the fact that Seattle was so banged up. But I think you can also chalk it up to how good our replacement players were playing at the time. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, the point I was going to make about that, too, is the fact that, yes, like the replacement players are playing so well, but you have to expect that luck to run out at a certain point. Yes. Like, they can't continue to play at the levels they were playing at. And maybe they were playing at those levels because they were playing Seattle's farm system in terms of their pitchers. But... Yeah, it definitely seems like that now because they haven't been able to get anything going and the bullpen has not helped things at all. Yeah, everything everything just kind of fell apart after that Seattle series is is really where where I'm sitting. I, I was hopeful that we would have Tulo and Donaldson back at this point, right after the series against Seattle, and we had heard that hopefully during this road trip was when we would see those two back in the lineup. You know, Goins was playing fantastic. Barney was playing well. You're not you're not expecting those guys to stay 
you know, hitting above 300 when they're playing every day. But it felt like they had done enough to get us to the point where, okay, now the big boys are going to come back and, and this team's going to take off. And that's kind of where I was sitting last Sunday thinking about the Blue Jays. And then this week happened and now they're 19 and 26 and it doesn't feel that way anymore. And back to last place in the American League, which last time we talked, they had just managed to crawl out of. Rob, how are you feeling about the Blue Jays right now? I feel that they're last place in the American League. That's how I feel. You think they're legitimately the worst team in the league? No, but they're last, and that's all that really needs to be said. I mean, I've mentioned it before. The teams that we all thought would be good are being good, and the Jays are not, so they're not going to catch them. Cleveland's on top. Houston's on top. Texas is they've climbed out of their own hole already and they're they're back uh boston's maybe the only one that you could say is struggling a little bit but uh they'll turn it on they're probably top two or three team in the al so uh i it's too bad because the what the production that they're getting out of the the pilars and smokes uh would be so helpful to a team injury free and uh the stars producing so it's too bad that this production is going i guess i don't know what the right word is but to waste yeah to waste (laughs) yeah and a batista's coming around a bit tulo it's feeling more and more this is going to be one of his injury plagued years martin really not looking good at all sanchez could be one of those rich hill years on the dl every two weeks there's just so much wrong with the team right now i don't think they can get it far enough back towards the right that it's going to make a difference so unfortunately it's not looking good for them but fortunately it's looking good for the penguins go fans go (laughs) you brought up the the texas rangers though is there anything like an encouraging sign there and the fact that they were able to crawl out of the hole that they had dug for themselves do you think the blue jays could do the same well i think they could have if they didn't have the in the injuries i mean texas has been uh, more healthy from their stars point of view for a while like i mean hamels went on the dl and beltre has been on the dl but for the most part, they've been rather healthy with their important players versus the Jays, who almost every important player has been hurt. So I think they just kind of got out of their little funk, but the Jays are in a funk and are injured. And so they still have to get healthy, then get out of a funk or get their groove back, get their timing back, whatever. And I think that is just going to take too long and it'll be too late if it does happen. So the Rangers went on a 10-game winning streak brought their record from 14 and 20 up to or sorry 13 and 20 up to 23 and 20 over that that stretch. The Blue Jays I don't think they need to go on that impressive of a streak in order to give themselves a shot, right? We are still early in the season. If they can go on a 5 game winning streak and be one game under 500, right? Or two games under. I just said the record. I already forgot what it was. Yeah, I know, but they, they, the problem is they just, they just did that with Seattle, and they kind of got themselves back into a bit, and then you'd lose three in a row to Atlanta, one of the worst teams in all of baseball. 
You can't. They, that can't happen if you want well, they, to be a competitive team. And they finally hit a soft spot in in the calendar. That's why I picked the over on how they would do in the next month, whatever it was, because I thought, well, Atlanta, Atlanta's not any good. And they made Atlanta look like a playoff team. Which yeah, I they think aren't. that's right. Like they they can they need to go on like a fifteen game winning streak to get to get back in contention because they they're gonna win five and they're gonna lose four the next five anyways. Like like this week, so that's the problem is that you need to go on a huge streak to get back into it because if you reel off seven in a row and then you lose five of the next eight, you're not making any headway. I think for the Jays right now, it'd be an accomplishment to get to 500. Like I don't see them getting to 500 anytime soon. And if you can't get to 500, you can't even talk about playoffs. And I see no reason to think the Jays will be anywhere at 500 anytime soon. They might win a few games in a row and they'll lose a few games in a row with this roster. They're calling up guys every day. I've never even heard of half these guys. Like they're just—it's not a good team right now. And they might get lucky and, and win a four-game series, sweep a four-game series, but it's not a good team. And by the time they get their regulars back, they're going to be too far back, I think. You—you you could well be right. I think the the one thing that I would say just—I think Atlanta is a better team than you're giving them credit for. I don't think they're one of the worst teams in. In baseball, I don't think they're a playoff team, but it's a team that we should beat, though. Yeah, but Freddie Freeman is one of the best players in the league. He's arguably before that broken wrist, he's in talks about National League MVP, right? Obviously, that's Bryce Harper right now, but he's that good, right? They have other good young players around him. Kemp has been having a good season. He torched the Blue Jays. That wasn't his norm. That's putting it lightly. Yeah, but he's he's had a good year to this point. They have they have good pieces there in Atlanta. Like Atlanta's going to be really good, I think, next year. So they're, so they're a team that's just kind of Jay, knocking on the door. When you're as bad as the Jays and you get that kind of a matchup, you've got to take advantage of it because there's not many teams that are at the Jays level right now. And the Braves are one of those teams that was had a worse record than the Jays. And the Jays was coming off a nice week where they won seven of eight. Like they had to take two or had to take three or four against Atlanta, I think. And they got swept the first three games there, and they won the last one. But by that point, all the momentum was gone. Even the pitching matchups were favorable, which is kind of funny yeah. to think right now when you have your rotation being anchored by Estrada and Stroman, and that's basically it. But you know, going, started, there could have been couldn't have been a lot worse. Especially going to Baltimore, where you could pretty much pencil in two losses. You had to win that Brave series this week. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But, I mean, when I, you look at the Atlanta series, I think the only game that I look at as a, as a real missed opportunity is the Tuesday game because we had Estrada on the mound. Like, that's a game that you should win, right? But, I mean, the Monday game against Bartolo, his ERA, I think, was near to seven before the start of that game, somewhere in the sixes. And we, we sent up Bolsinger, right? You know, it wasn't like that's not a favorable pitching matchup, even though the pitcher we're going against is terrible. Like, the only yeah, one that I really see on got every away other was matchup. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem is Bolsinger is your fourth best pitcher right now. And he will be in the rotation for a couple more weeks. Like, you're, you're just going to get too far back at a certain point. You can't play catch up all season. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, 
with the pitching matchups they had, they still could have won easily two, two or three of the four. One's very disappointing. Yeah. And the, the one game against Julio Tron, too, which I wouldn't have thought that the one start they wouldn't have thought. I guess he hasn't been as good this year, but still. That was probably the best pitcher they faced. Against Atlanta, you mean? Yeah, against Atlanta, yeah. But even the Baltimore series, like, yes, I agree. Baltimore is playing really good baseball, um, really good at home. And if you said they're going to lose two games there, I would not have been surprised. But the fashion that they happened was just so frustrating. Like, just seeing them take leads, scrap, like, basically scrap the leads. Like, yesterday's game, when Mazis hit that home run, it was like, oh, thank God, finally they, they got a lead. Although, you still couldn't feel that confident with the bullpen coming in and to lose that game. And Castillo, oh, man, Castillo hopes that he plays against the Blue Jays for the rest of the season because – he had one hell of a weekend, but so frustrating. I just hoped that at that point. So if they get two here, that's good. Like there would have been, I don't know, I would have had a lot more hope that we'd have won one more, one more game this weekend. As odd as that sounds, only one game different, but I still would have felt a hell of a lot better than getting one of three. And I think that's kind of where where I'm standing, right? Is if you win one more game against Atlanta, then this series against Baltimore doesn't seem so dire. No. Right? And I un- I understand the fact that the Jays are are down and this is going to be a difficult climb up. But Texas looked like shit and that's why when Rob brought them up, that's what I I jumped on because they looked terrible to start the year. They pull off a 10 game winning streak and now they're right back into it and they're they're back to being a playoff team. Right? If the Blue Jays won not 10 gonna, straight, we're not going to do that. I'm not saying we How are. How are we going to do that with rotation? Well, the rotation should be getting healthier. Both Liriano and Hap are, are scheduled for rehab assignments coming up, so hopefully that that changes. Our, you know, we can actually put together five starters. That'd be yeah, but when those three guys get back, that could be two, three weeks from now. Like, What's our record going to be then? With the guys we have now getting us to that point. Your rotation. You've got Stroman, Estrada, B. Genie, Bolsinger, and whoever the fifth guy is, and they need him. Like, that's. Like, that's awful. Oh, it's not good. So, yeah, when those three guys get back, Liriano, Hap, and Sanchez, yeah, sure, they could all be back and healthy. That could be mid June, late June, when they're all rolling. Like, but I think it, it kind of exposes the underlying issues with this team. And that's more so with the hitting more than anything else because, like, they needed the rotation to be as good as they were last year to get into the playoffs. This year, the rotation is getting injured, which was going to happen. And they're hitting, even though they're, they're missing two of their biggest hitters, they still aren't getting it done. I mean, I guess with Polaris Smoke, if, you, if they're doing this with Donaldson too low hitting the way that they can hit, then sure, their offense is a hell of a lot better, but... They have no depth. Begs me seen. Yeah, but if you have like if you have Pilar and Smoke doing what they're doing now, you have Batista doing what he's doing now. He's been great the last two weeks, and then you add in Donaldson, Smoke and Pilar. So oh, who yes, did sir. I say? Yeah. Did I say Smoke and Pilar, or did I say somebody else? I meant Smoke and Pilar. 
I thought, I, thought, I thought you started by saying if Donaldson and Tulo were here. Sorry, I, I may be misunderstood. Yeah, there. so if you bring Donaldson and Tulo in with, with Smoke, Pilar, Batista playing, even Travis playing as he is now, like our offense is looking really good. Yeah, it is. It, and that's where you know, like I was – I felt really good on Mother's Day after that Pilar home run with the way this team was playing, even though they were still four games under five hundred. Now they're back to seven games under 500, and it does feel like the sky is falling. My hope is they can put together a win streak, pull themselves up. You know, the pitching rotation is being held together by scotch tape right now. Doesn't look too good heading into Milwaukee and then Texas and Cincinnati after that. All teams that can hit. We'll see how it goes, but... I feel like my optimism a week ago, I was still too high on this team to have completely come crashing back to earth just yet. We'll see how we're sitting a week from today. I will say that Monday game felt like something we had not experienced this year against Cleveland, that is. Because we were all at that game, and that game just felt like so, so good and satisfying for what they've done this year, but to see Edwin return, to see them, you know, really play well in big moments and make big plays, like Pilar's unbelievable catch, you know, Joe Smith striking out Edwin when he did, like, that game just felt so good. I left that and said, like, maybe they're starting to get their mojo back a little bit. But it's hard to do that and, and keep that consistency going with the current roster they have. This is just completely random. and We might have talked about this, like, off the – the podcast, but did anybody understand why Edwin got booed the third time up that game? So we had the first, <laughs> the first at bat, he has a standing ovation that lasted right up until the point where he hit Stroman. And then everybody instantly went from loving Edwin to being concerned about Stroman because the, the ball got him in the leg. The second at bat was kind of a mix. Some people were standing, most people were clapping. And then the third at bat, he came up and it was just a chorus of boos in the stadium, and I have no idea why. Did anybody understand that? Were they big moments? I know the fourth of that definitely was. Wasn't the third of that a pretty big moment, too? It seemed like that's why they were doing it. (laughs) Maybe it was people just booing other people trying to do the wave. (laughs) That's a good reason to boo people, that's for sure. But Blue Jays fans are usually stupid. They're trying to do the wave when we're up to bat, not when the opposing team is up to bat. (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember the the third at bat for for Edwin when it when it came up. All I remember is just being confused by it. Uh, they, yeah, they were they were winning they were winning four nothing at that point, and there's a man on, so it's a little weird. I know what you mean though, Ryan. That did feel like the old days. Kind of place was packed. Jays were playing well. It was loud. Yeah. It was good. Even I went to the game on Saturday against Seattle, and I thought that was pretty cool, pretty good environment. Again, they came back late, and there's a big crowd there. It felt good. Like, I felt at the end of last weekend, I'm like, well, here we go. Like, team's coming alive with the team they have. Like, when they get healthy, watch out. But, I mean, they're not healthy yet. And some of the guys have been hurt, haven't come back as soon as you'd hope they would have come back. And here we sit, and just the whole 
getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's not much of a silver lining, which is the hard part. No. The silver lining, I guess, will have to be our pizza bet as we talk about Sanchez continuing to dig that hole. He's now on his third DL stint. Randy, you're on deck for our pizza bet this week. What do you got for us? All right, so it's going to center around this, the number of DL stints for Aaron Sanchez this year. Um, so like you said, he's already at three. We've still got uh, four four plus months to go here in the season. So I'm going to set the line at uh, four and a half. Um, and I'll let Rob go first. Sorry, is it four and a half from now or total over the year? Total. So he's already at three. So he just needs two more? Yeah. Okay, over. I think they're just going to use it, even if it's not an issue after this last time, they'll just use it as an excuse down the stretch to shut him down when they're out of it. Do they need uh, to do that anymore? He's missed enough time. I don't think they need to do that. Yeah, but I mean, he pitched more than they want him to last year. So if when they're 10 games back in September, throw him on the DL to skip a start, I'm not going to do it in September. You don't use DLs in September. Yeah, so just, just not pitch them. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. I'm still going over. I think injury slash being out of it will give them an opportunity to put them on the DL more than one and a half times. Ryan? Over, 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 over. It's so frustrating to think that out of all the UCL talk last year, this is why he's hurt. And it continues to be an issue. Rich Hill has continued to be an issue now for, for you know, the end of last season. Well, actually, for a good part of last season, probably half of last season. And now this half of this season, too. Like, I don't see any situation where he gets healthy. Like, he was bleeding times? on his first start, and I sat there and said, oh, here we go. He's back to DL. Like, I was surprised he made it to another start. So, I'm How going over. How many times do you think he'll go on then, Ryan? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> we talked about it earlier and I said like if you six, set the line at seven? six and a half. If you said six and a half, I would still say over. Oh wow. That's, that's aggressive. That might be out yeah. of frustration, but six, that, like that it's just it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I six and a half is, is aggressive. Just, but frustrating. Yeah, I I'm gonna go over too. And Randy, I think you just set like a meatball of a line there. I think you're you're kind of thinking back to the 15 day DL. I think teams are using this 10 day DL consistently, and for pitchers, you can put a pitcher on there and only miss one start, right? And I think that Sanchez has any issues with his hands going forward, and it does seem like he's going to, because his hands just keep falling apart on him. It's it's easy to throw him on there. He misses one start, and then he pushes the other one back by a day, and you're good to go. Right, I think that I, I could see I could see three more. That's probably the max. Like if you had set it at six and a half, I do think I would have gone under. <laughs> six and a half seems like a bit much. But I think to to see it's, him it's do aggressive. It, yeah, I think seeing him go two more times to the DL. I mean, we still have you know, like you said, four months left. I don't think that that's unreasonable. I guess so. only three because September wouldn't count, right? Yeah, but it, you could. For sure. I, like, into it. I agree with what Rob said about them using it as a, a reason to shut them down, right? If they're out of it by 
the trade deadline, the end of July, he might have two more in August. Right? Throw him yeah. on, throw him on for the first week of August, throw him on again at the end of August. Like, I don't know. They, I just, they could use it as a strategic thing more than just a, a player injury thing. But I think that the, the 10 day allows them to use it a bit more freely for the injury. So I think that's an easy over for me. Which leaves you yeah, as alone under four. I was torn between four and a half and five and a half. I hadn't thought of six and a half to be honest. No, five and a I half. That was yeah, I think five and a half would have been half. a better, better line. Better. Yeah, I would have had a harder time going over. It at is that hard. Your your thought process with September is good. Like I understand that. It definitely affects it. Makes you think about it. But it's hard to see a reality where he isn't going to be like revolving back and forth from the DL. Like, it's just. I guess I'm kind of thinking that maybe he'll stay on for a long time at one point. <laughs> like instead of coming back. It seems like it would be weeks, smart. Like this time maybe he's on for a month. Like flush this thing out. A couple rehab starts in the minors and comes back in June or end of June or something. Because obviously the last two times they've brought him back, it hasn't worked out. So That would make sense. He needs but more stuff too. Yeah. He needs more Ooh. than the 10 days he's been getting. Yeah, it would make sense, but he's I mean, not dealing terif- with They're terrified muscle. by the lack of depth. Well, yeah, that's an issue, but it's not—it's not like a muscle injury, right? It's he cut his finger open. They're not going to say take yeah. a month off because you cut yourself. Yeah, but he had a blister before, and he came back after he thought it was healed, and it wasn't. And then he had a blister again, and he thought it was healed, and it wasn't. So maybe they should give him more time than they've given him. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right about more time, but it's not going to be a month. Right, so, so it was maybe, 14 days last time. You couldn't, you can't see that being doubled. I could. No, I don't think they would do that. I'm not, I'm not saying that would be, but I don't think what you guys are saying with the innings has any impact because he's not going to be anywhere close to the high innings this year. Last year he threw what 200 innings. He's going to be nowhere near that this year, so that's not going to be a reason to shut him down. I can't remember the. I, the inning totals. I just know that I won two pizza bets for two overs for Sanchez. So maybe yeah, I'll I think win he another one here. He was in the one nineties for the season, I think. But that's not gonna have any impact this year, the way he's going. Yeah, it's gonna be hard for he's basically gonna have to throw a complete game every time out if he's gonna get to those numbers. Yeah, that's not happening. Well, the biggest story from the last two weeks has to be Kevin Pillar's suspension. So on Wednesday night, Pillar felt that Jason Mott, the Braves pitcher, was quick pitching him. And he struck out and yelled a homophobic slur at Mott and earned himself a two-game suspension. This is a... An interesting topic, it's, it's a little bit outside of what we're usually covering here because we're usually talking about baseball and this is more uh, almost political here. But I'm curious what you guys feel about like the incident as well as the punishment. Did he deserve more? Was it fair? How should this have been dealt with? Randy, what do you think? Uh, um, I, th- I think the punishment was correct. I think two games was fair. Um I think the way the Jays handled it after the situation, as far as Atkins flying to Atlanta, um, meeting with MLB, the PA, 
Pilar and his agent and coming together with a, an agreement on a suspension that worked for everybody. I think two makes sense. I mean, the comparable, obviously, I think is Escobar a couple of years ago. Um, he got three games for it, but his was premeditated. He wrote on the eye black ahead of time. He thought about it. Um, so I think he deserves more than Pilar. Um, so, you know, Pilar's was more instinctive heat of the moment. So I think two was, was what I thought he would get. I wasn't surprised by it. As far as the incident itself, um, yeah, I, I found it weird. I mean, in the heat of the moment, I get it. You say things that when you're pissed off, but for that to be the first thing he says when he's pissed off is kind of interesting because I thought about it after. Whenever I get pissed off, that's not the first word I say. Um, I say the F word, but it's a different F word. Um, <laughs> so I found that kind of interesting that he res- he resorts to that word uh, when someone pisses him off like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the the whole situation obviously is, wasn't good, but I think the way the Jays handled it in the immediate aftermath there uh, was okay, and I was fine with the punishment. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Pilar kind of handles it down the road here as far as, uh, you know, maybe his wherever his fine goes, if they disclose that, um, if he's in the, the Toronto Pride Parade or something like that, it'll be um Interesting to see what happens now, but I think the the follow was fine as far as the way they handled it, and I wasn't surprised at all. I thought he would get two games, and that's what he got. So, um, interested you guys think about it. Well, the one thing that I don't really agree with is the fact that it was comparable to Escobar's, right? Because well, it's the it's the only comparable, I guess, is a better way of putting it. It is. I mean, essentially, Escobar wrote it in Spanish, but he basically wrote the exact same thing under his eyes yeah but and he planned it out so shouldn't he get more than he should and i I think that but that's what makes it not like a comparable situation kevin pilar made a mistake in the heat of the moment and he said something that he shouldn't have and he was punished for that escobar had to think about this he had to go out he had to buy supplies for this he had to go buy the freaking chalk or whatever he used to write on the eye black with like he had to put effort into the situation and this happened five years ago if he had done this in today's climate like in today's political climate this would be a significantly bigger suspension than he got like he only got three games because stuff like this wasn't being talked about in 2012 in the way that it is in 2017 10 or 15 probably would have been what it would have been. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Ryan. I think it's probably in like Escobar's suspension is probably 15 games. If he did, if, if Pilar had done this on, on Wednesday night, if he had written it across his face on Wednesday night, he's getting 15 games. Escobar only got three. You can't can't argue like Escobar cannot argue at all what he did. Right. My point was that if you give Escobar three games, you can't give Pilar more than that. Can you? Did you think, expect more than more than two? I think you can because of the change of in times, right? Like MLB is not going to want to come across as in support of that. Now, I don't think that Pilar deserved more than two, but I don't think that Escobar set a precedent. If somebody were to do exactly what Escobar did and write the exact same phrase across his face, he's going to get 10 to 15, I think is probably what that player would be suspended for if that were to happen again. This didn't. I don't think this is like Escobar's suspension was precedent setting, right? Because it, it, it was a different time. Me, like I said, I I expected two games, and I wasn't 
surprised by that. So what did you guys expect? Did you expect more or no? Yeah, when I, I expected to. Oh. When I thought about it, I thought that he might get he might get a little more than two. I thought maybe three or four. Uh, but I think two is fair. Right. And the only reason I thought he might get more than that is just because uh, you don't want to come across like like as an organization, MLB's not going to want to come across as insensitive or downplaying the severity of what Polar said. Right. So you take you take a bit of a harsher stand. I think that two is a fair and reasonable suspension. I think the way that they dealt with it, like you were talking about, Randy, like this was a big deal. Right for Atkins to fly from Toronto to Atlanta, meet with the Players Association, meet with the player and his agent and MLB, everyone to come together and say, this is how we're going to deal with it. I think that that's, that's huge, and that shows you how serious it was and how this could have been a bigger suspension for Pilar. Absolutely. I think that they just handled it the way they had to. That's good to see, especially with how a lot of leagues are dealing with things today. Um, you know, it can't just be brushed under the rug. It was clear as day that he said it. There was no getting out of it and denying it. And yeah, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I, I 100% understand where you're coming from, Randy, and saying, like, there is only, like, one president. And I understand where you're going with that. But like what Dan said, I guess there really is no president in this day and age. Um, a lot's happened in five years. A lot's changed in five years. And... This will kind of set, I guess, the bar for how they'll handle these things in the future, which I think is what the MLB did a really good job at, is they, they showed that they care and they showed they can handle situations swiftly, quickly, correctly. Um, I actually wanted to ask you guys about this because I, it's the only you know comparison we can draw right now, but what would the MLB have done if this was a playoff situation, which is what the NHL is dealing with right now with Ryan Getzloff? Yeah, that's now he got he got fined ten thousand dollars for having a, for uttering a homophobic slur. What would the MLB have done to Pilar if this was a playoffs? Would they have had the same stance? No, is fine there a only. difference? And should they? No, they would not. It'd have been a fine only. And, sh- and should they? I guess that's the bigger question. Like, should it differ what the setting no. is and what should happen? I think obviously saying, it shouldn't. Yeah, it <laughs> should it? No, because you know you do the you do the crime, you do the time. Right, but it does because it's the playoffs and they treat the playoffs differently. Right. There's no way they're going to suspend Getzlaff for that, which is, but that happens in the middle of the season. He gets a couple games or at least one game. I would have liked to see the NHL take a different stance at that, given the fact that it had just happened in the sports world like days before. Like, I think it gave them a really good opportunity to say, like, we take this seriously too. We're going to suspend Getzloff for a game. But they didn't. They did what you would expect them to do. And I don't think that's more of a black guy in the NHL than anything else. I think the MLB now, it'd be interesting to see if this ever happens in a playoff environment now because they will have to react or else this will be for nothing, essentially. Didn't Andrew Shaw do the same thing? He got suspended. Was that in the playoffs or in the season? I think that was during the season. I thought it was in the playoffs, but I, I looked it up during the week. I'm gonna Google it right now. Yeah. The problem is Probably. though, like this this happens fifteen times a game in every single game in professional sports. And yeah, Pilar got caught 
saying it when he in a spot where the camera was on him gets laugh same reason but you can't i i know it's wrong it's totally wrong but that's just how these all these players they grew up with it you grew up saying this to your even your friends on your team and things like that and it's got it's to a point now where you just say it you don't actually mean it and it's just part of sports whether it's totally wrong, so don't get me saying that it's he's right in any way here. But you can't really take such a hard stance on just something that just slips out because you've been saying it your entire life. But I disagree. These are professionals. They're coached on how to act and how not to act. Yes, it's the heat of the moment. But, I mean, it's as stupid as it's going to sound. It is different um, if you get caught or if you don't get caught. That's, the how? I guess, the harsh reality. How? It is. How is it different? Because it has to be treated differently because everybody saw it. I know. And that's why, every, they, every that's why, that's why he is getting disciplined because they, they caught him. So they have to say, Oh yeah, we don't tolerate this, but they, they do tolerate it because it does happen 14 other times a game. That's that's where I, it, it, I get what they're doing. It's just, it's hard to justify it when Jason Mott might've said it to him two pitches before that. And no one caught it. You know what I mean? So why doesn't he get punished if that did happen? Because Clark could just go and say, well, he said it to me. Why doesn't he get suspended? Oh, we, we didn't get it on camera. And it, someone could just go up at any game and say, this guy said this. They're not going to do that because there's a code among players. But that could happen at any time. And where, where's the line going to get drawn when this guy is notorious for saying it, although he's never actually caught saying it? So that, that's, it's just, that's, it, it's, it's such a blurry line. It's, it's really hard, but like these, that's why it, keeping the, give them a little suspension during the season. And then if it happens, the playoffs, fine them for whatever amount you want. I don't care. They make so much money anyway, but uh, you can't make a playoff decision or a playoff outcome based on this kind of behavior. So on uh, that note, Shaw well, they, was suspended. Shaw, Shaw was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, that's he why I don't understand why Getzlaff wasn't. Yeah, because so, it was first round game four. That's yeah. why it was. Which Shaw is why missed, yeah, he it looks worse five. on them because they should have handled the same way every single time. So that and, does, and that's what this comes down to. Like, this comes player. down to like this is more of an issue of social responsibility than it is anything else. Like the MLB is socially responsible to penalize its players when they get caught doing it. I know what you're saying, Rob. It's hard because people do say it all the time and nothing happens. So why don't you just find them even more but let them keep playing so that it doesn't impact the actual team. Let it impact the person on it, on it, their own, whether they're, they're fined for a certain amount of money, they have to do a certain amount of uh, charity work or whatever. Make, make it hurt to that person or make them learn their lesson. But don't penalize the team. When, like I said, it's something that goes on all the time. So I think we're, we're kind That's of just my feeling. Yeah, on. we're kind of splitting into two different issues. So for the like the fact that Andrew Shaw was suspended for Game Five of a playoff series for using a homophobic slur, and now Ryan Getzlaff simply gets fined. That's bullshit. So he, this is for sure. I do think, uh, unlike the Escobar issue, I think this is precedent setting. NHL has suspended players for playoff games for doing this in the past. Getzlaff should have been suspended. Rob, the thing that, that you were talking about, I, I do agree with you. Like It is a very blurry line. However, the issue here is the fact that it is said at all, 
right? So the fact that it gets said 15 times a game, which I don't think you actually believe, that's just like a hyperbolic statement, but it's, it is being thrown around a lot more than just Kevin Pillar's one-time use of, of that word. It's, that's the problem, is the fact that it's getting thrown around like that, right? And these players are, you know, maybe they're so caught up in, in baseball, they don't see the world changing around them. And I remember that being talked about with Escobar five years ago, which was never used as an excuse, and I'm not trying to use it as one now, right? But these guys don't understand the world because they just spend so much time playing baseball, right? And they're so caught up in their sport. That needs to change. People need to see that what they're doing has consequences and they need to to change that, right? There's there's a story that... So I, I listen to kind of funny podcasts religiously. It's, I've talked about it a couple times on this and the, the host of their podcast is Greg Miller, and he, ta- he tells a story about um, growing up in Chicago and using the word gay, like, oh, that's so gay, and then going off to college where he became friends with gay people for the first time, and he said that, and one of his gay friends said, what did you mean by that? Right? And he's like, well, I, no, I didn't mean like that. I just meant it was stupid. He's like, yeah, but do you realize what you just said? And he has never said it again, right? It was nobody ever told him that that was a problem until he actually had a friend that was offended by that, right? And the same can be said in this situation. If you continue to let people throw that word around, if it's 15 times a game, if it's one time a game, it doesn't really matter. And just let it get tossed around carefree, nobody cares, then no one's going to stop. So at yeah, some then, point, you sorry, do I mean, have to like, take a stand. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like these guys have been playing baseball their entire lives and have grown up just saying that. And in the exact same situations you just did, they're saying it without actually meaning it or knowing what they're saying. And it's just ingrained in them to like, oh, I struck out you, whatever, whatever their word is that they they use most often. And that's why I think just find them and keep finding them more and more money until they get it. But don't take them out of a lineup of a team that however good the player is, that's going to affect the actual team. It's two different things because just, just the player screwed up and the player didn't screw up in the actual rules of the sport per se. He screwed up with his, his social responsibility of being someone in front of the public. So don't take it out on the team, take it out on the player is what I would I'd, that's what I. How would is that any different than a player who commits a crime and is suspended? Same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like I, I yeah. see what you're saying about the word being said, but I really don't think it's the first word that many guys say when they get pissed off. Well, like, I, I, think, that's I just, don't think we, it's I think we all grew up in it. We all grew yeah, up but, in the day and age where it was common. Do we use it all the time? We're still playing sports, like. Do we think to say that kind of stuff now? No, is that our I, first reflex? Like, you know? I'm sure if you asked me that question 20 years ago, I probably said it a lot. But if I get pissed off now, that's not the first thing I think about saying. There's yeah, but you're other not playing, that, you're not playing super competitive sports in the heat of the moment now. You're just you're playing rec ball or whatever. It doesn't matter what sport. It happens in everyday in life. Like whether Pilar gets pissed off or I get pissed off, that's the first word Pilar says when he gets pissed off. When I get pissed off, that's not what I say. 
I don't think many of us do anymore. I'm sure we all used to, like you said. Everybody's think, different, though. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. And I think that when comes you get back to up, the point that I made earlier about them sort of being coddled and not really seeing the the way that times are changing, right? And again, that's why I think the suspension is warranted, and Getzlaff should have been suspended, and Polar should have been suspended because times have changed, and it's it's time to stop saying some of these words it, and like retarded. Right. How many times did you yeah. say that word growing up and how many times have you said it now? Right. Like how many times did you say it what, when you were 18? How many times you, have you said it when you're 28? Right. You, you stop saying it because you realize what that word means. Right. And unfortunately, we haven't got there yet with this word. And it's a it's a punishable offense. And I, yeah, I think Pilar deserved the suspension and I think Getzlav deserved a suspension as well. And the Getzlav one is actually worse because the NHL has run into this exact issue and dealt with it differently. And now they're actually seemingly showing Getzlav preference. They're taking a step back. Yeah. Well, they're taking a step yeah, back, but they're of... doing it because Getzlav's a bigger player in a bigger moment, right? It's a conference final. It's For not sure. the first round. And he's a far more important player to the Ducks than Shaw was to the Blackhawks at the time. But it's still, it's the exact same thing. It should have been dealt with the same way. So, but I think well, and even that. I, I think the biggest thing that Blair, your point, like though, I, I, I heard this on Sportsnet this week, and I think that um, it really kind of confirmed and made me feel the way that I feel about it more than ever is the fact that like these sports now they didn't used to have um, PR meetings and PR appointments. Like these players, like are coached on what to say and what not to say more now than ever. So if anything. Like they have to be even more responsible than they, you know, than people that played 10, 15 years ago because they didn't get that kind of treatment. Like the teams are taking this more seriously. Therefore, the players have to take it more seriously. I and if they're put into a position where they're being coached on this stuff, then there's really no, there's zero tolerance for any of it. I don't think they're being coached on this stuff, Ryan. They're being coached on how to handle the media after their game, how to say nothing. Think they're really having classes on this kind of stuff? <laughs> absolutely. Really? No, oh, absolutely. Get... I, I can tell you oh, for I a don't... fact they are because when they're, I had like, I, when as a players... coach, we do, we do season plans and we pulled like examples that's, from that's professional digital. teams, code of conducts, and they talked about the meetings they had with their players, educating them on you know not saying these things. It does happen, whether you believe it or not. It does it's probably just one meeting though at the start of spring training and that's it, right? I don't think it's a specific one on this topic. It's probably just No, I'm not saying it is. Thing. This is probably mentioned, oh don't say these words. Like they don't talk about it in depth. I think the main thing of these media these things you're talking about is just how to train players how to talk in the media. And how many most of them say nothing to the media. They're all coached on that, right? Like I don't think you. Have, I don't think you have to tell grown men not to say these words. If you do, it's pretty sad. You should just know. Apparently, apparently, apparently you do. Like, yeah. Well, that's why he's going to training. He's going to sensitivity training because he obviously says it, and he needs to learn how to stop saying it. But I don't think they're telling all the players. Like, oh, fuck, maybe they are. I don't know. It seems like to me that's not something that would be uh, necessary, but. Maybe it is. I don't know. I think Rob's probably right. They probably do have like maybe one, maybe two meetings on yeah, no, words that, that you shouldn't I say. That. And the other thing too is, 
you have like on top of having more like PR training than ever before, there's also more microphones than ever before. So the team has a vested interest in keeping these words out of their players' mouths. So they, there could actually be more training than than we actually think. I, I'm not surprised that they are holding seminars on what not to say. And clearly, some people need it. For sure. It is a really tough, tough subject, obviously. It's it one is. of those things where it was, it was good to see someone step up and say, like, this isn't right, and we're going to take this seriously. And that's what the Blue Jays did, and good on them for doing it that way. That's probably the biggest thing to, be, to take from this, is that they handled the situation really, really well, when consequently the NHL did not. I think, I think the response by far will be more important. I think everyone screws up, makes mistakes. I think how you respond is going to really be, the, be the, the big factor here for Pilar. For sure. Yeah, we'll see what his, respond, his response will be. In a positive way, with, uh, in a positive way, it can make a bad situation turn into something good, right? So he's got a chance to change it going forward, and it'll be interesting to see. If he kind of sweeps under the rug here, and as time goes on, nothing's mentioned about it, or if he takes a more active role and and tries to be a, a big a change going forward, right? So yeah, I don't think that Pilar is the kind of person to sweep it under the rug. He's incredibly active in like his charitable donations or just time spent. Like he spends a ton of time at uh, Hall and Bloorview Kids Hospital there by Sunnybrook in Toronto. Right, he's there all the time. I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn this moment into volunteering, working with like a gay youth center somewhere in Toronto, like or a center that is specifically helping LGBT community youths. I, I, I think that's the no. type of person Pilar is, and I think that's the kind of thing that will, will come from this. I think I do believe find in a way to make it a good it's, thing. It's, it's, Believe it or not, that is the first really bad technical difficulty we've ever run into while recording this podcast, which I feel like is pretty good for just four guys sitting in their basements. Uh, but the call just completely crapped out. So we'll get back into it. Ryan, my point was that I believe Pilar will take this experience and make something positive out of it. And then as you started... Everything went to hell, so take it away. Well, I was essentially just going to agree with you. I think that he definitely like will. I think the biggest thing that I took from it that I actually it didn't really realize until the next day when I woke up and realized what had happened was his response to the media after was like, "Don't judge me on this situation." And everybody was like, "I guess I guess I was confused because I didn't watch the game. I didn't see it. I didn't see that he said that." And they obviously weren't talking about it on the media that fast. But his response right away was like, don't you, like I don't want to be judged on, on my actions tonight. Spoke how much he cares about it too. And I think that he does care. And he knows he made a big mistake without someone having to obviously say, like, you made a mistake. And <laughs> I think he does take it seriously. And I think that his actions will speak louder than words. Yeah, if we, after this. if we judged everyone based on their worst moments, we could we could villainize everybody in the entire world. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So, yeah, it, it wouldn't be fair to to judge Kevin Pillar's entire 
character based on this this one moment. Randy, did you have something to add there? Or? No, not really. Okay, sorry. I thought we're just topic. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're done. I'm just trying to sort through everything that that happened when the the call cut out. Well, before we wrap up, then try and end on on something a little more positive. Jose Batista has been on fire for the last two weeks, hitting over 300. He's got an on base over 400, five home runs, 13 RBIs. Rob, I'll throw to you here: Is Jose Batista onto something, or is this just a flash in the pan? I really don't know. It's it's hard with him just because he, he can be hot and cold and he's getting to that that age point where it, is it a decline? Is he just taking a while to get his timing? And he, he showed it he showed he was doing well early in spring training, then he got to the World Baseball Classic and then got hurt. And was that the reason that he was so brutal in April? Usually he can he can get it back in a shorter time than that. But uh, what we are seeing lately is much better, getting closer to kind of the Jose we're used to. Uh, so I, I really can't say. Um, if he can do it for another week or two, then I might be more inclined to say, yeah, he's he's back. But at this point, I, I can't really do that. I think the the injury at the World Baseball Classic is probably the biggest wild card here because multiple players got injured at that tournament and they all of those injuries were downplayed, right? Players, they oh, they're day-to-day and then they get back to their team and nope, they're on the 30-day DL, right? So I think you could make the case that Batista was hurt and was hurt worse than anybody knew because that happened to a couple other guys i can't remember the examples now but i know that was talked about at length on sports radio in the first week of the season i think that i'm going to go with that batista is healthy and he is turning this around i don't think he will keep up this pace right i think his batting average from here out is probably going to be closer to 260 than it is to 325 which is where i think it's at over the last two weeks, right? But certainly going to be better than, you know, sitting right around 200. Randy, how do you feel about Jose right now? Much the same about Rob. I mean, he's obviously an older player who's definitely declining here, but he's shown signs in the last couple weeks that he's turning it around. I think the fact that he's been on the field all year too, um, he hasn't missed much time this year. Um, If that can keep up, his numbers will definitely look good at the end of the year. Um, the big thing for him, I think is usually he's, his walks and his strikeouts are either more walks or close to 50, 50. Um, right now he's still got a lot more strikeouts than walks. I think when you, when you see those numbers kind of become equal, um, then you'll really know he's back. Um, but it's been encouraging the last couple of weeks and without much uh, offense around him, uh, his offense has definitely been, been needed. So. Nice to see him lately playing well, and if he keep this up, it'll be a big boost for the Jays when they get their injured players back. But um, like I said, I think the the big thing for me is walk, is the walk number because once that gets close to the strikeout number, um, then you'll know the real Jose's back. Getting on base a lot, so hopefully it it keeps trending that way. Yeah, I, f- I feel I need to take a moment here 
and describe this trade offer that I just received? <laughs> okay, Let, let's hear this. Now, can we oh, guess who listen. sent it to you? Because sure, you, you can go ahead and guess. So Tristan does listen to this podcast. It's uh, not Tristan. Oh, it it's wasn't. one of it's one of our code podcasters. The one oh. laughing. Okay, let's hear it. Then. Oh, this is gonna be good. So I he, may have been hoping this was gonna happen, but he has just offered me Edwin Encarnacion, Trey Turner, and Josh Donaldson for Craig Kimbrell and Clayton Kershaw. Now that that is a blockbuster right there. So uh, I'm gonna take some time to to think this over, but I'd ask all our listeners out there to send in a comments with whether a yay or nay should be. I'm gonna need all the help I can get on this one. This this is a franchise altering deal right here. Are you worried about giving up Kimbrel? No. <laughs> so. Hurry before Ryan cancels it because I could see that happening. So who are the <laughs> so you got Kimbrell and, and Kershaw from you, and then from Ryan it was Donaldson, Trey Turner, and one other player, Edwin. 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 That would fix your pitching, Ryan. It would. That would definitely this. Yeah. That's actually Rob. When you when you stopped the podcast, I was expecting it to be like Kershaw for Liriano. I didn't think it was. I was going sitting here like, if he starts cutting this up, I don't think people are going to back him on this. One. That's it's not as bad as I, as I thought. I know. I I'm literally torn right now. I, I, on my first glance, I don't know which way to go. So it's uh, it's it's finally a trade I've received in this league in the last three years. I might consider accepting because most of the time they're just horrible. Either like, that, or you just trade me your third round pick, which I always have every year. Yeah. <laughs> hey. our, our league work operates like clockwork usually there's a lot of trade offers from one person they're all horrible we've already named that person it's Tristan and then Dan signed the deadline and that's pretty much it in a nutshell Kyle's not in our league so I, I can't get any really good hauls in my trades so I have to be fair I'm in first all year and then come playoff time Rob wins <laughs> 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 every year I think I've been in first place for like a season and then two months here, basically, almost. But then come playoffs, I'll lose. <laughs> no, that's actually, that's a really good trade offer, though. That is, that's why I'm, I'm going to have to, like, sit down and actually look at it. It's not your offer, Dan. No, I know, but I, like, like Rob, I don't know which way to go with it. I'd probably accept where you, Rob. I'm, I'm I think, I think you're, I think I'm you're winning that trade. You're you guys are making me think I should be canceled. That's why I didn't want to bring it up. Go back. I think the overall production, you're definitely winning. I'm you not, better accept right now. I'm not sure that it's that lopsided. No, I think, I think it's. I actually think it's really fair. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time. I looked, I looked this trade for literally two hours. I looked at different combinations. The one thing, too, that's worth noting is that it's the league is 10 by 10. Right in a five by five league, I think you hit accept on that trade right away. Right, but ten by ten, Kershaw is so good in so many categories that, and then Kimbrel's been friggin' lights out this year too. It makes it a little bit, it it adds a little layer to it there that that means that it's not like I don't think this is a a beautifully lopsided trade in in Rob's favor. This is 
It's funny that you mentioned that. Though, we also have discussed a lot about the fact that we could change the categories in our league eventually too. So I thought about that a little bit too, but I don't really know what we've changed into hundred percent. I just figured probably more like our tech words, if anything, or probably a hybrid between the two. I'd, I'd be okay uh, with just chopping and making it like eight by eight, yeah, 10 by sure. 10. Cause like complete games is just insane. It only, it's only gotten better over time. Cause you start off and you want every stat into the moon and you're like, Oh, these stats are stupid and useless. Let's get, I think we should keep it the way it is. We've had it for so long the way it is. Thank, thank God most of our listeners are people in our league. So that's that's, that's going to help us here. They're not going to go anywhere. For, it's okay. Everybody weeks. everybody <laughs> dropped out when the call did when we were talking about Polar there. So nobody, nobody came back for the final 10 minutes. We can, we can finish up talking about Batista there, Ryan. Did you have anything to say about Jose? I mean, I think his mojo is definitely coming back. Um, the big question I think that will remain is if he'll stay healthy. He is an aging player, so it's it, I can see him getting hurt, and what impact that may play. I think we'll ultimately decide how his season is, but he does seem to be getting it back at the plate. Um, he's starting to walk more, which is like versus his strikeouts. Not in general, he's been walking good, but he's starting to walk more and getting those numbers a little bit closer, like Randy kind of pointed out. So I think he is kind of headed on the right path to be getting back his old form. But I don't think he'll ever be truly the Jose of, of seasons past. You're going to see that natural decline. But if the decline is just a small amount, then he'll still have a really good season, which is what we want to see. It'll make it interesting in terms of what they do with their options. But that'll also depend on on where this team sits. If this team is a seller and not going to make the playoffs, then those options don't really matter anyways. He still has the bat flip too. Hasn't lost that. <laughs> no. He's got that in the repertoire. The bat flip in the what what was it, the eighth inning in a down down by five <laughs> on the road. On the road in Atlanta in May. And the, the bat flip was reminiscent of game five ALDS. Like he in his defense, it did look like it caught him off guard. I don't think he meant to do like for it to be as emphatic as it was. But it was still so stupid to do it at all in that situation. It just, made no sense. I heard he had a bat flip, and I'm like, so what the hell happened before? Like, What happened just, before to cause him to do that? And the answer just is Just drop the bat. You're down by five runs. Drop the bat around the bases. There's a time and a place for a bat flip, and it's basically what he did it in 2015. That was the time. You know, <laughs> I, really told, that I was love, the only time he could do it. I love bat flips. I, I wish we saw them more often, <laughs> right? But just that situation, it was so dumb. Like we'd have a much different sounding podcast name if it wasn't for the bat flip. So we owe it to our podcast name's existence. It was one of the dumbest things I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I guess I'm that's all for, true. We I'm should all be for, talking about bat flips more often, eh, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, absolutely for, uh, should. I'm all for bat flipping when you hit a walk off homer to win a playoff series, but you know, I have my beliefs as oh. to why it happened, so I'll share it with you guys. But he gets a bonus for the amount of people come to games and, you know, those, the, the non-fans that love to still come out to Jays games all the time, they might be just waiting to see more bat flips. So he's trying to drive that up. He's just bat flipping like crazy. He's trying to get people to flock to the seats so he can get more money. I could see that being the case. Although I'm not playing at home though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that is true. 
I'm definitely kidding in that. The one thing I actually thought but was really funny, play, I, I wanted to watch next, the game. Next week, I wanted to watch the game real bad the next night because Peter Gammons came out and said that he had heard from someone in the Atlanta <laughs> locker room that there was going to be a fight that game. I laughed so hard. I'm like, okay, well, you got me hooked. I want to watch this now. Jose knew he screwed up, though. So no, he did. He got it. Was, he, it was it was an awkward bat flip. I feel like he was trying to throw the bat, but then it came out of his hand the way he did, and he went, "Oh shit!" Like everything he did from the awkwardness of it coming out of his hand to the way he reacted after shows that he really didn't mean to. Even when he got hit by the pitch, he was just like, "Hit me!" Like every time, yeah. like Tehran threw a pitch, he was just like, "Just hit me." And to be honest with you, Atlanta handled that. So well, it ended yeah. right there. Even the organization handled it well. Freeman coming out and saying they weren't trying to hit me; it wasn't on purpose. Like, well, they should have. That thrown, was good to they, see. They should have thrown Toronto out when he hit him, though. Uh, I disagree. I think that if it's above the waist in a more dangerous area, sure. The way think, he did it, yeah. No, but the, I think that's what it came down to. By the rule book, he should have been tossed. You throw somebody intentionally. Yeah. You get tossed. Everybody. Shouldn't I, guess it's right. I think it's, it's, the, it's the unwritten rules, right? Like, he did it. He deserved it. He got hit. Yeah, but then don't. It wasn't going to put him in injury, so it's But then fine. don't give the warnings. Let the Jays hit somebody. Yeah. They've done enough that series. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who ever thinks that Atlanta and Toronto would be a fierce rivalry? <laughs> None of us. And it's still not, but it sure looked like it was starting to go down that road for a while there. Maybe a lot of weird things happened in that series. Maybe four years from now when we see him again. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Bat Flip Nation. If you like that, please like, subscribe, share us with your friends. You can find us on iTunes. Please leave a review. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at BatFlipNation. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, we're out.